Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. I must be careful about such things as these. The thin-grained oak, the quiet grizzlies scared into the hills by the constant tracks, squeezing in behind them closer in the snow. The snared rigidity of the winter lake, deer after deer crossing on the spines of fish who look up and stare with their eyes pressed to the ice in a sleep, hearing the thin taps leading away to collapse like the bear in the high quiet. I must be careful not to shake anything in too wild an elation, not to jar the fragile mountains against the paper furnace nor avalanche the fog or the eagle from the air. Of the gentle wilderness I must set the precarious words like rocks without one snow-capped mistake. Hello and welcome to Cop On Podcast, you beautiful buttercup. Those gorgeous opening lines were from the poem Be Careful by Ed Roberson from Pittsburgh. Do check him out. And we know us Liverpool Reds after 30 years of hurt that we must be careful. We must tread softly at this stage. Nothing is won. We're not even halfway through the season. That said, however, life is pretty frickin' peachy, isn't it? On this episode, we mainly drive to Bournemouth, Salzburg and Everton with cigarette breaks at Nabby Cater, Hendo, Big Verge and many more. I really do hope you enjoy it. I make cop on for you, the listener, the beautiful, gorgeous, hunky, handsome listeners. And if so you do enjoy it, please do tell a friend about us. Now, without further ado, enjoy, you mothers. Enjoy. So, I'm delighted to be joined by Shane in Los Angeles and by Fergus in the southwest of Ireland. Uh, absolutely brilliant that you've joined me. The Bournemouth match finished about an hour ago now. The Bournemouth supremacy continues. And, uh, you know, not only... Do we have prime Virgil, prime Mo Salah, prime Mane, etc., etc., in our team? There's a prime analyst, Andrew Beasley, is in his prime, and he deserves a special praise because he's just a brilliant uh, statistician and uh, analyst. Do check him out if you don't know at base two to red, and I'm going to start with some stats from him because by beating the Cherries today, uh, that's our fifth win on the trot against Bournemouth with an aggregate score of 17 goals for Liverpool to nil for Bournemouth. All of them have finished either 3-0 or 4-0 and all of them have produced loss, loss in the half-time, full-time market. Fergus is back with us from Cop on Podcast. Delighted to have you back, Fergus. Uh, this was uh, as stroll as strolly a stroll in the park as one could care to mention, right? Yes, it was uh, 
I, I don't think we could have hoped for better. Um, I mean, on the Liverpool side, it was like a training match. And I thought Bournemouth were very, very disappointing. Um, I mean, obviously, we're going to concentrate on what Liverpool did today. And, and uh, the Liverpool team was very good. But I was I was very disappointed in Bournemouth. I mean, they didn't put a tackle in. Um, they didn't try to stoke up the crowd by doing any rough stuff. There was nothing. Um, so so really disappointed in in what Bournemouth, Bournemouth brought to the game today. But uh, that takes um, not much away from Liverpool, who were fantastic. And it was like a, a training match, and it was a brilliant way to go into the Salzburg game on Tuesday, which will be very hard. Yes, excellent stuff. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned uh, yeah putting a foot in. They they were disappointing, weren't they, Shane? I mean, you would have thought that they would have tried something, or were we just too good? Um, well, you know, just to put it in context, we've now won twenty four of our last twenty five Premier League matches, and we've scored two or more goals in twenty three of them. So, I mean, are we just too good, or Bournemouth should have done more? What do you think, Shane? I definitely think it's a combination of both. And thank you once again, Owen, for having me on Cop On. It's a it's a thrill to be here. I mean, honestly, it's so hard. It's so hard to pinpoint. I, where exactly everything went wrong for Bournemouth. It seems like tactically they decided to sit back the way Eddie Howe set them up. It seems like they decided to sit back, and then in the first half alone, we have 73% possession. Uh, we have 11 shots to their two, five of which are on target for us, zero on target for them. These stats are coming from SofaScore.com. Uh, also on SofaScore, if no one has ever checked it out, I would highly recommend. They have this this new feature called the Attack Momentum, and so they kind of aggregate all of the stats into kind of a um, like a flow chart or a bar chart of uh, who has the momentum and there is only one tiny little sliver in uh, Bournemouth's favor and I think that was around the 16th minute if I remember right when Naby Keita uh, unfortunately lost the ball but everything else was just swung in favor of Liverpool I do think it is. I do think you have to give a lot of credit to us. I think you have to give a lot of credit to our team. I think you have to give a lot of credit to the players who stepped in. I mean, Naby Keita, what a game for him to show up in. And yes, I know we're, we're kind of labeling it as a training match, but I mean, according to whoscored.com, he was labeled with a 9.11 match rating, a goal and an assist, giving him the man of the match. I mean, he he was absolutely pivotal uh, to what to our attack today and moving the ball from the midfield and forward. And so, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely delighted with Liverpool. I am disappointed in Bournemouth uh, with everyone else. The two, the one player I actually wasn't disappointed with too heavily was actually Nathan Ake. I thought Nathan Ake produced some great clearances, and it's quite unfortunate that he had to go off with that hamstring injury. But between him, Simon Francis, and oh, who was that other? Who was that other chap? Diego Rico. They all the between the three of them. If it weren't for those three players for Bournemouth on the field, I think the game would have been around six or seven nothing in favor for us. Um, and then whenever Jack Simpson came on, I mean his inexperience uh, was you know blinding. Honestly, uh, when Mo absolutely moved around him in the second half. So yeah, um, that's that's my initial reaction right off the bat. Very good answer, and you know it's good that you mentioned Naby Keita. I mean, let's let's start talking about him because uh, I think he's been unfairly criticised uh, because he seems to be getting way too much criticism just from certain quarters of of uh, kind of analyst or fan. You know, 
who basically this these people they don't look at the stats the facts the figures because if you did you would know how dangerous Cater is when he plays for us and of course some games he's been a little bit rusty because at the end of the day he hasn't featured very much for the last sort of two years basically unfortunately for him but it's it's only injuries and rustiness that are his that have been you know holding him back if he can stay fit he's exactly the right kind of player isn't he Fergus to break down low block teams Yes, uh, I have to agree with Shane and yourself that Naby was was brilliant today. Uh, having said that, I, I didn't. I missed the first ten minutes of the match because uh, I, I was busy doing stuff. But then when I caught up with it, um, seeing seeing Naby, the first uh, I suppose up until about twenty minutes, I thought he was still catching up with the pace of the game. But he certainly did that in 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 very good style in the second half. And uh, as Shane said in. Um, on um, on who scored he gets a 9.1 which is pretty unusual um, higher rating he had three total shots two on target um, one goal a passing accuracy of 94 percent and 94 passes in the 90 minutes so yeah I mean it really shows what Klopp has built and what Liverpool has built so far whereby we have such a strong squad now you know suddenly from nowhere well I mean it, it seems like from nowhere to, to a casual watcher, but now I think Liverpool have probably have a better squad than Man City, arguably, and that is because of the strength of the acquisitions. Um, people, you know, Klopp has, we've seen that he's very patient with players. He asks pa- players to be patient. Anyone who's in the 11 generally t- tends to stay in it until there's a game like this or, or the Everton game midweek when he can do a bit of rotation. But in, in general, he asks for patience from his players. He trains them up. I mean, Liverpool back in the old days of uh, uh, Bill Shankly, Bob Paisley, Kenny Dalglish, etc., they were renowned for keeping players in the reserves for months or even even 12 months after signing them so that they could learn the Liverpool way. And that's exactly what Klopp does as well. I mean, someone like Keita, he's obviously spent more time out than he has in the team, partly due to injury and partly during, due, due to the strength of the first 11. But in that time, he, he slots in um, and he's just like another cog in the wheel, except, that, you know, he's exceptional. He's one of the best players on the pitch. Same with Joe Gomez today. Uh, when he came in, he just slotted in seamlessly. And as, as with Dejan Lovren, I mean, Lovren's form has been excellent since he came in for Matip. So it's really a credit to the coaching uh, at the club and to the, um, to the philosophy at the club that these players can stay out for so long and still come back in seamlessly and and play put on brilliant performances. You're absolutely right. Yes, I mean this is it's sort of like we've we've had a long gap in the in the Liverpool way, and now it's back where where players they want to play for the team. The the subs are giving their all when they come on. It's 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 beautiful to see. Uh, very quickly the. The XG, uh, according to understat.com's XG model, Liverpool had 3.04 XG and Bournemouth had 0.15. So for once, XG was completely bang on with the result. Um, but this was the perfect game um, for lots of reasons for Liverpool, but you know, especially before the weekend. 
uh, sorry, before the midweek fixture against Salzburg, which we'll come on to. But, uh, you know, one of the things I like to write in my agenda every week is key battles. Um, I don't think there were any particular battles today, uh, Shane. Um, I just think we were brilliant. So apart from Naby, who, who were your standout performers from today? Yes, um, I completely agree with you. The The only real key moment I saw uh, kind of even could even be considered a battle is when uh, Callum Wilson went through uh, on goal and then uh, and Virgil van Dijk slid in and uh, completely got the ball away with his wonderful tackle. And I honestly think uh, they were able to handle him uh, quite easily. Um, in terms of standout performers, I just I would just like to say this week in general, in terms of the narrative, I often like to think about the narrative of our season and and how things are going and like the questions that are raised by both fan media and then uh, the the corporate media, I guess would be the other word for it, or the the broadcast media. Um, this week answered so many questions that they had concerning Shakiri, Nabi, Devok, Adam Lalana, all of our players that people were rather concerned about or questioning our depth, they were completely answered, and I'm sure we'll delve more into the Everton game, but right off the bat, the first player I would love to mention would be Jordan Henderson. I thought his passing was pretty otherworldly today, or if not, just on a high exceptional level. I mean, I'm looking right now at whoscored.com. He had 150 passes, 92.7% accuracy, two crosses, and I do remember this one lovely, I think it came off a throw-in, and he just quickly half-volley lobbed it up to Mo Salah for him to run down the wing. I really thought Jordan Henderson was really instrumental. He kind of was hanging almost in that Fabinho position as well, but uh, definitely towards the back right side of the field, and I just, I was just really impressed with the pace and the quickness at which Jordan Henderson moved. There was also this moment in the first half. Um, I, I wish I knew. I wish I would have written down in my match journal the exact minute. But uh, there, it, he had this moment where he just took it around uh, the uh, the defender for Bournemouth uh, down the wing, and then he put in a, a lovely cross right in the middle. Uh, it unfortunately it didn't turn into anything, but he just seemed to have an extra spring in his step. So yeah, Jordan Henderson for me would be the the extra standout, and then also. I, I saw that there was some uh, criticism about Mo Salah, maybe him not being exactly on it, and I would have to disagree. I thought Mo Salah was absolutely on it today. According to whoscored.com, he had uh, he had 42 passes, 85.7% passing. You know, that's you know that's higher than average. And he had a match rating of 8.3 with a goal and an assist. And I really thought his touch, the way that he was able to catch the balls out of the air and just kind of just you know, just dead. All the momentum there was just was just absolutely lovely. Um, and then also always so happy to see Ox get a goal. But uh, Jordan Henderson, Mo Salah were standouts for me. Great stuff. Yes, I would definitely pick them out. And and the 150 passes. You're absolutely right. That is what it says. That was not your ears deceiving you, listeners. 150 passes. That's. I mean. I remember Chabi Hernandez for Barcelona posting figures of around that or even less for prime Barcelona. I mean, Jordan Henderson, he's got his critics, but uh, they're, they're not on the cop on podcast. He was absolutely terrific. You're absolutely right to mention him and Mo Salah. And I would chuck Virgil van Dijk into the into the ring. You mentioned how well he defended Callum Wilson's one-on-one, but there was another moment where he blocked a shot from uh, the Bournemouth players. But just in general, he was humongous 
again. Um, who stood out for you, Fergus? Yeah, I'd certainly agree with that. Henderson uh, was was excellent today. I mean, we have to take take into account the the low quality of the opposition because Bournemouth sort of barely turned up. But having said that, you know, we can only do what we can do. We can only uh, play what's in front of us. So Henderson was imperious today. You know, he, he bossed the park. Uh, he really did look like the Liverpool captain. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, there was there was no nothing else he could have done today. Also was Joe Gomez was really good because he started at right back. Uh, Bournemouth gave him a lot of space down the right. So he was attacking too. And then he went, slipped into centre-half and did really well then as well. Uh, Virgil was brilliant again today. He snuffed out any, any attacks that Bournemouth had. And then, um, you know, honourable mention for James Milner, who was tireless as usual. I thought that uh, Oxlade was good, unfamiliar position for him, top left. But he, he's getting to that position, that point now where he can fill in in three or four different positions. He doesn't get quite as much of the ball at top left as he would do in the middle of the park. So, but he still did well, and he got a goal. And then, uh, most uh, Salah was was great, of course. I agree with both of you. But Firmino was quiet today. He, I think he had one of his. Um, you know, Bobby seems like a bit of an eccentric character to me. You know, he lives in uh, in Bobby Firmino world, which I'm sure is a very nice place. But I think he was he was quite detached from the match today. So he wasn't quite on it uh, today. But uh, And then, as for the goalkeeper, he had hardly anything to do. Uh, yes, you're right, absolutely. I think we all live in Bobby Firmino's world. He's just the <laughs> king of it. But, yeah, I mean, Bobby, yeah, he did look a bit tired. Uh, it was a bit worrying uh, because he's played so much football. Of course, he was at the Copper America in the summer. And, you know, he, he's played a lot of football. And I think, yeah, that's one slight... Pre- perhaps worry for us one coming into this match was that we hadn't kept a clean sheet for 14 games uh but our defending i mean okay you have to take into account the opposition as fergus just said but uh, it was very very pleasing how we defended wasn't it um and also you know about mohammed salah's role i think in preparation for tuesday he was playing in a good position. He was either central up top or he was slightly on the inside channel, uh, the half spaces, as Klopp likes to call it. And that was a very intelligent move, I thought, because you got the best of Mo Salah's touch. His back heel for the for the goal, for Naby's goal, was just absolutely perfect, surrounded by three players managing to get the back heel in. For Naby to swipe it home with the outside of his right boot, but he didn't have to run so much. And that was a very intelligent move, I thought. But uh, our first clean sheet for 14 games. Uh, how pleased are you with that, Shane? I'm exceptionally pleased. Um, like, I, like I was mentioning earlier, in terms of the narrative of the questions that the media keeps raising and the rest of the football world keeps raising, a clean sheet today is just another, is just another answer to those questions. And we were on kind of a terrible run of no clean sheets. But, I mean, the results speak for themselves. I mean, what you want are the three points. What you want are the wins. And, you know, if you look at the our, uh, the, the winning form, it's www for as long as the eyes can see. And so, yeah, I am absolutely thrilled Allison Becker was able to kind of kick on after he had his red card moment. 
um, the in the previous week. Two, two. Now I, I know it's only been a week, but it's now two match days ago, which is crazy enough. But uh, I'm happy for him that he was able to get a clean sheet under his belt. And I do think uh, part of that has been, I mean, we talk about how um, specifically last season, um, how big teams will turn up. Uh, and try to take down, uh, you know, the big dog, so to speak, if I if I may use those expressions, um, uh, where where they they get a chance to maybe knock somebody off their perch. And so yeah, it's most of the time it seems like teams that might not be doing as well will seem to play above themselves or out of themselves and out of their form to try to get a goal. And they'll and they'll work together and they'll do that. But today, Bournemouth did not fit that stereotype. They did not fit that role. Um, and we were able to come away with a, a very, very easy clean sheet. I mean, I, I don't even, I, I don't know if Allison had a save. I'm trying to find the stats, but I, I don't even know if he had a save. Maybe you guys can correct me on that one. Um, he did have 28 touches total, but I think those were all passbacks. So yeah, I'm, I'm delighted that uh, our subs are doing well. I'm delighted that we have the clean sheet, and it seems like everything is in place to go and get a win at Salzburg, so we can come out on top in the group in the Champions League. Yeah, just to confirm, yeah, he had he had no shots on target, you know, nothing nothing to face, Allison. You could have put your granny in goal today, but uh, no, he he's um, uh, yeah, it was very very pleasing. But of course, the worrying thing was Lovren. Uh, it seemed like some kind of hamstring injury to me, uh, Fergus. Uh, how worried are you now? We're down to we're down to two fit centre halves with Fabinho, of course. In, out for a while too. I mean, when Lovren gets injured, he tends to be out for weeks and weeks, doesn't he? Are you worried? Yes, it, it's a bit of a concern. Having said that, we do have Gomez. Gomez has been biding his time. As as I said earlier, that uh, the squad players have had to be very, very patient. And um, Gomez has been patient this season. Now his time has come. You know, we, did ha- we have had Matip, Lovren, Gomez, uh, and Van Dyke for a reason, and now they've all they've all been called up to play their part. So Gomez will have to come in and might have to do um, quite a few games now. So hopefully it's nothing serious for Lovren. I did notice he went to sit on the bench. He didn't go down to the to the um, uh, dressing room for for treatment. So hopefully it was just a precaution, and he's still okay for um, Salzburg Tuesday. Uh, either way, um, if Gomez plays against Salzburg, he's a, he's a, a very good replacement. Had a good game today, um, but um, ideally we have Matip coming back uh, not too long away, maybe end of December. Um, you can you can tell. I, I'm not sure which date it is. And um, we also have Fabinho coming back as well. So, and if the worst comes to the worst, we also have Henderson to. Uh, slot in as a makeshift centre-half. Oh, that's an interesting call. Um, I hope it doesn't come to that, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I remember Fabinho, if he's out for six to eight weeks, if he's out for the, the later part of that, it could be he could be back for Man United, which is on the 19th of January. Ooh. Um, so it's this huge, busy, vital period. He could, He's probably going to miss all of it, uh, which is very... Sad for him, but uh, you know our squad has really stepped up and allayed any fears. But speaking of fears, Fergus, I'm going to stay with you, Fergus. Um, Salzburg, initially, your initial thoughts. Are are you worried about that one? Yeah, I think Salzburg are a very good side. They're an up and coming side. 
they're one of those teams that from time to time can cause shocks in the, in the Champions League. Uh, they've won, I've just looked at the Austrian Bundesliga, they're top of the Bundesliga they're in 17 games, they've won 15 and drawn two. So they're flying just like Liverpool are in their own league. Um, interestingly enough, there's a team called LASK, L-A-S-K, which are, uh, are second, and they're only two points behind on 41 points. So whoever they are, they're doing brilliantly as well. I think they're in the, in the, um, the Europa League. But yeah, Salzburg, they're playing with confidence at home. They're playing with confidence away. They've obviously got a very good philosophy and a very good manager. They've got a great centre-forward, a um, young centre-forward in Haaland, and um, some good, good talent in midfield. They, most, all of their team is under 24, under 25. They have, they have scouts in, um, in African countries where people don't normally look, like Congo, Tanzania, Zambia. So they've got players from all of those countries. So what they do is they've obviously got an exceptional um, uh, scouting network, an exceptional business plan, whereby they can go out and find undervalued, underrated players at a very low cost. So in that sense, they're very like Liverpool. It's the exact same philosophy, obviously at a smaller scale, at a different club. So they are a threat. Um, and, but what, having said that, it was a brilliant... Um, it was almost felt like a training match today while I was watching the Bournemouth game. It felt like this is a great warm-up for Salzburg on Tuesday. It, it, it felt like a training game before, before the, uh, the big game. And Salzburg will be a big game. Um, we've, uh, the, the, playing at that stadium won't be easy. The fans are vociferous. They'll be up for it. Uh, they'll be confident. And the team have got the Salzburg team have got nothing to lose. So they're going to tear into Liverpool. They want to make names for themselves. They're all young, hungry players. What better way for them to make names for themselves than to beat the champions of Europe in their own home and qualify uh, from the group stage? It's the biggest game in Salzburg's history, by probably by a long way. So they're, got, they're going to be up for it, but we're going to have to have Gini Wijnaldum in midfield, Hendo in midfield, um, and Van Dijk at the back, Allison in goal. You know, and those guys by now, they, they pretty much can handle any situation. So let's see, let's see how it goes. But I'm expecting um, Salzburg to, to, to come out of the blocks really fast and uh, to make it very, very difficult for Liverpool. I'm glad that you gave such a such a balanced and good answer to that because I was I expect some fans will still be thinking oh yeah well it's only Salzburg and we could just walk there for a victory but as you rightly said you know it's a brilliant overview of the, of that club that you just given us because they are absolutely dangerous as we saw from the first leg of course if you in case you had forgotten we went into a three nil lead but then they fought back. Um, to 3-3 with some excellent goals by their uh, marvellous attackers. All three of them scored, Huang, Minamino and Haaland. And Shane, I don't know how closely you've been following the, this, this brilliant young talent, Erling Haaland. If I could get anyone who's going to cost us, you know, let's say 70 million or less, I think Erling, Erling Haaland would be my number one choice because he has got so far, this is before today, I think they played today as well, um, in 13 matches in the Austrian Bundesliga, he scored 15 goals with four assists. He's got, of course, eight goals in the Champions League 
already in the first five matches. He's got four goals in two matches in the Austrian Cup. The boy is absolutely on fire. Still either 19 or 20. I haven't look, looked him up. Shane, how scared are you about Salzburg? You're absolutely right about his form. I mean, Holland's form is has been immaculate. It, it has drawn the eyes of the entire football world to just exactly what he can do. And people already want to pluck him out and put him into a harder situation, into a harder league. But, I mean, the the Austrian Bundesliga is nothing to bat your eyes about. I mean, this is why, I mean, last time I was on Kapan, it was right before the Napoli match. I was stressing as hard as I could that it needed to be a must win at Anfield, that we really, really needed to put the whole group to bed because I really didn't want it to come down to this with us going to Salzburg and Austria. Um yeah, uh, other than that, uh, I think Fergus and you have given marvelous answers to that. Like you said, very well balanced, full of information. I've been kind of relying very heavily on the Liverpool media about exactly the kind of threat that they pose. And everyone has exhaustively been talking about the, the, the threat that Salzburg poses. And we already saw the threat that they brought at Anfield um, whenever we were up three until and then they got three back. And so... Yeah, I, I am worried. I am concerned. But what I'm but what reassures me, what, what gives me peace of mind is uh, the, the clean sheet that we just got, the way the subs have been performing over the past week and a half. Um, and then all of our focus and attention and how and how concerned everyone has been about it, how much time we've spent uh, analyzing them, critiquing them. Uh, making ourselves aware of them. It seems to be uh, with Liverpool, we only really get sucker punched if we're if we're not really looking for it, if we're not really expecting it. And I think we're we're expecting I think we're expecting a, a heavyweight boxing match more or less to I guess to steal from Klopp's analogies. But uh, I I really I really do think uh, it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a tough match. And and who knows we might all be pleasantly surprised by three one victory for Liverpool or something along those lines but I'm not holding my breath. It's an excellent answer. Yes, a heavyweight match, a slugfest it could be. Um, Salzburg have scored 16 goals in their first five group games in the Champions League, which is, of course, more of a, of a what's the word, um, a marker of, of, of their talent, the Champions League, rather than the Austrian Bundesliga, which they've won six times in a row now. Um, in the Champions League, they've scored 16 goals, I repeat, in the first five group games. Only Bayern Munich on 21, and surprisingly, Tottenham Hotspur on 17 have scored more. Um, yeah, there's loads of stats that can, you know, give you the goosebumps, can, uh, you know, make you a bit nervous, but you've just got to hope that, you know, one point will be enough which it will. I mean, you know, Fergus, one point will be enough. You've got to hope that our quality comes through. And at the end of the day, we, we are the better team on paper. But with one point being enough, how would you approach this match, Fergus? I think like any match, you have to go in to win it. And Klopp seems like a very um, honest manager. He always says we go in to win every match. And, you know, we go there to win it. If it's getting near the end and we can control the result, control the score, then we can take a draw. But remember, if Napoli uh, beat Genk, which I'm sure they will, they'll be on 12 points. 
So, and if we draw with Salzburg, we're on 11. So we'll be second in the group. So I, I'd say, uh, assume Napoli will beat Genk, that's for sure. If we want to win the group, I don't know what the draw is for the next round, but usually winning the group means you get a much easier passage. Um, so I'd say go for the win. Um, I, I was, I, I'm still worried. I am worried by the Salzburg tie. They have been very good in this year's Champions League. They gave us a real shock and a real fright at home. And I think they're, they're capable of doing that. Uh, in Salzburg as well, so um, it's going to be a, it's going to have to take a brilliant performance from us to to overcome them. You know they've got nothing to lose over 90 minutes. Um, I'd really like us to, to 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 seal the win, but it's going to take a very mature performance from us, and um, you know all of our experienced players playing, and um, I, I don't know. I think we'll get at least the draw. It could be quite a high-scoring game. It could be a 2-2 or something because they're very, very dangerous and very confident. And and in, in Holland, he can score from anywhere. So um, I'd be hopeful of us. I'd be I'd be expecting us to get at least a draw, and I'd be hopeful of us getting a win. But uh, but there's no guarantees. Yeah, it's 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 so delicately poised. It's wonderfully poised. Ooh, it's gonna poof, be another one. Take your Take your heart pills before the match. Don't forget, listeners. Um, if we draw then and we finish second, then we would play one of the group winners, which will be either, I'm just looking at it now, either PSG, Bayern Munich. We can't play Man City because I don't think you can play a team from the same country. So it will either be PSG, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Barcelona... Leipzig or one of Ajax, Valencia or Chelsea. Um, I don't really fancy any of those teams. Whereas if we win the group, it's still not easy. But we, we, we could play Real Madrid, Tottenham, probably, well, either Shakhtar Donetsk or Dinamo Zagreb, probably Shakhtar. Uh, then uh, either Bayer Leverkusen or Atletico. Then either Inter Milan or Dortmund. Ooh. Then either Zenit St. Petersburg or Lyon. Or one of Ajax, Valencia or Chelsea. So it's much, much, much better to, to win the group. So we have to go out to win. Um, but how, Shane? Would you, like Fergus suggests, just go out and, uh, and attack? Is that the best policy? Um, you know, it, it, it is hard to, to say what would be the best tactics against Salzburg going into it. Um, part of me is tempted to say that we might play on the counter, that we might kind of set up and invite them into our third, uh, kind of maybe the opposite of the tactics we took today against Bournemouth, where we were only in their third for the majority of the match. So I am tempted to say that, but I don't know if that's exactly how Klopp's going to go about it. I think, uh, I think we're... I, my instincts are telling me and my gut is telling me that we're going to try to go out there and we're going to try to get an early goal or two and then from there change tactically, change formation uh, to better suit uh, an inviting and, and uh, proceeding with the counterattack. 
And uh, and you were exactly right about the uh, country protection with the round of 16 whenever you first enter in the knockout stage of the Champions League. So we wouldn't be eligible to play against any of those uh, English teams in the draw So or uh, or however that would work out. So th- that is good news there. And honestly, post uh, Ballon d'Or results, I'm oh, I don't know. I'm I'm motivated for the team. I've got. I've got a, maybe a chip on my shoulder, but I want all of them. I want all the I want all the players that finished above our players. I mean, what more do we have to do besides win the Champions League, get 97 points in our own league? Um, you know, I want to get Barcelona. I want to get Real Madrid. I want to get all the best of the best. I want to get Juventus if that's possible. And I just want to I just want to prove to the world yet again to the European football and the France football magazine yet again. Who really uh, is the best team in the world right now? And so, I don't know. That's kind of my mentality, but I can't look too far ahead past Salzburg because that is a big hurdle to get over first. It is indeed, and it should be a hell of a match. Uh, You know, hopefully nobody listening to this is going to underestimate them now, but just one more scary stat is that they've only lost once in their last 20 European matches at their stadium. It's going to be a cracking match. I can't wait for it. Um, something we, we haven't talked about since uh, the last uh, episode was Everton. So, you know, since the last episode, we've beaten Everton and, of course, beaten Bournemouth today. Everton, I don't want to spend too long on it because, it, you know, it feels like ancient history. But in terms of, in terms of joy from a football match, from a Merseyside derby. The joy that it brought us all. It was up there with the very best. I mean, since then, poor Marco Silva's been sacked, Fergus. But it was it was such a marvellous game with superb goals. I mean, it was just, it just puts us, gives us this sort of wave of, you know, even more, another tidal wave of, Momentum. The tidal wave of momentum is getting bigger. It's turning into a mega tsunami, isn't it, Fergus? Yeah, it was a brilliant match. And um, there's always a little bit of trepidation in going into a derby. You know, we were confident, and most fans, Liverpool fans, were confident going to the game because of the the gap in form, the gap in class. But um, to go in there, and it was, and actually the scoreline made it look um, quite simple, quite straightforward. But it was it was actually a, a very exciting game. It was end-to-end. Everton played their part. Even at 4-2, it felt like Everton uh, could get back into it. At four, If they got one more goal, which they got close to a couple of times, at 4-3, then anything can happen in a derby. So uh, it was a lot of relief at the end when, when it went to 5-2. So it, it, it was... Um, exciting pulsating match and um you know everton played their part so uh and i think it was our second best performance of the season alongside the man city game uh and i thought today versus bournemouth was probably top three uh, alongside those other two games in terms of a performance so uh if anything our form is going in the right direction uh you know klopp's all about the training and um, fitness of players, getting them into peak fitness at the right point of the season. Anyone who's ever uh, trained for any uh, any uh, sporting events knows, such as the Olympics or any, any cal- calendar event, that 
you, you, you're not at peak fitness for 12 months or even for nine months. You're at peak, peak fitness for about one month per year, as any professional athlete will know. So, you know, uh, for us, hopefully that one month will be any time between now or hopefully we stretch it out to three months between now and about February. And uh, it looks like we're getting to peak form, peak momentum with two brilliant performances in a row. Well, I, I really hope you're right. Yes, the greatest writer that ever lived forgets Shakespeare and all of the other marvellous writers who feature on Cop On uh, pretty much every episode. The greatest of them all is P.G. Woodhouse, and he talked about mid-season four. And the remarkable thing about the Everton game, I thought, Shane, was the fact that we could make so many changes and not lose any rhythm. So that was remarkable, the changes, and also... What was remarkable were the, were the goals. We had five shots on target. We scored five times. And we were just there. Every single goal was beautiful, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that, ge <clears throat> that game was pure joy for me. And I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, obviously, I am not... Uh, native from Liverpool or for the from the area at all, um, but just trying to glean as much as I can since the year 2000 about the rivalry, about the intensity, drawing from my own experiences of local rivalries. Like I, I really do get a sense of how big it is and what it exactly means to everyone. I mean, I mean, just looking at Trent and the way that he played like a madman. Trent was angry during the whole match, and he was lucky that he was able to stay on the field after that rather cheeky stamp that he got away with. Um, but all that aside, I mean, it seems even the players that aren't local from Liverpool, Andy Robertson and everyone else, it just kind of, we are all lifted to play for the club, to play for the people, to really show who's the best, <clears throat> pardon me, and to really show who's best in the town. And and I would, like I said, the match was pure joy for me. I mean, I did have four pints like right before the match began, so that might have been a little bit of it. But I was jumping up and down. I mean, I was so happy. Divock got a goal in six minute in, six minutes in, and rather than the 96th minute as the the last time we played <laughs> at Anfield. And honestly, yeah, all the goals were bang on. Like you said, we made all those changes. We answered all those questions. Uh, Shakiri, who hasn't played in, in, in Lord knows how long. I mean, Klopp didn't even know when the last time he had played them um, played Shakiri uh, via his post-match conference. Uh, whenever he was pretty surprised about that, and actually apologized to Shakiri. Um, and then also, I mean, Mane, Sadio Mane, really stepped up to the plate uh, for that game. I just used a baseball analogy or a metaphor, so I apologize for that. But he really. He really did set the bar. I mean, Mane's performance was outstanding. He should have had a hat trick. But, I mean, the the goal that he scored was honestly the hardest chance that he had out of the three or four chances that he had. But his passes, the way that he opened things up, his assists, he had two assists, I believe. And, yes, I I mean, oh, oh, I could just go on and on and on. We have plenty of stats that we could pull here from. But uh, the game, the game was more about was more about emotion in our and our performance and how we could play as a team no matter who was wearing the shirt and I don't know after that I just it just solidified something about this season about the way that we play and like you said poor Marco Silva heart goes out to him I'm sure he's going to go on to a, a different project and everything and then I mean 
Maybe it was the best thing that we did spank Everton 5-2 to two because look at the result today versus Chelsea, 3-1 to one on the bounce. So, I mean, good for them. Glad that they could get that against Frank Lampard. Uh, but I'm happy uh, they weren't able to get it together for our match. Yeah, great answer. Good point as well. Yes, the new manager bounced the, the big dunk effect. Uh, letting the Ev uh, win, and like I, you know, like I said last time uh, on Cop on podcast, the uh, we don't want them to go down. We we do not want Everton to go down and get relegated. Never. We want them to be seventeenth every year. We want the booze to ring around Goodison, but them to do just enough to cling on to Premier League survival, so that we can continue to beat them, to thrash them, to hammer them. You're absolutely right to bring up Sadio Mane, who, of course, was rested today, my fantasy Premier League captain. Um, damn it. But <laughs> watching him in full flow this season, he's been our best player this season, apart from Virgil, I would say, uh, Sadio Mane. I don't know what you think about this, Fergus. I mean, for example, in the last, or maybe even beyond this season, in the last 45 Premier League games that uh, Sadio Mane has played in, he scored 28 goals, 28 goals in 45 games, whereas Mohamed Salah has now played 43 games and has 21 goals. So you could say what you like about whether he's better than Virgil, though it's very difficult to compare, but in terms of attackers, Sadio Mane is our main man, isn't he, Fergus? Yeah, he's become our main man now. Uh, you have to give him every credit because it's all down to hard work. Um, you know, he's not, um, he doesn't have Lionel Messi level of talent, um, but uh, it's a 100% it's effort from him and a really good attitude on the field because he gets fouled a lot, actually. And because of the nature of the Premier League, generally how, how uh, bad the refereeing is, which we often comment on in Cop On, but... Um, you know he has he has to take a lot of stick, and he he's always up. Um, he's a very very game player. You know he always gives a hundred percent. Plus he's got the talent, the ability, and the magic to be able to finish. And yeah, so you know I, I give Manny a lot of credit. By the way, I was just checking what while we're recording this. Um, Man United are beating Man City two nil. So uh, Liverpool are still fourteen points clear of Man City as we record, which is. Very nice news for all Copon and Liverpool fans. That's pretty good, but they, I think there's a, there's a 28 minutes left, maybe about half an hour if you add on additional time. So still time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's bus to crash. Uh, that wouldn't be too surprising. But um, yeah, I think, uh, oh, I think, is it 14 points, honey moly, or is it 11? I'm not sure. I'll just check. Oh my gosh, you're right. Holy monkeys. That's insane. 14 points if it stays the way it is. Thank you, Fergus, for that. That's just blown my mind. I thought it was only going to be 11. 14 points. And Tottenham, speaking of new manager, bounces with their, you know, brilliant result as well. 5-0. Great goal by Son as well. They are, just in case you didn't know, 23 points behind us. <laughs> 23 points. Gosh, marvellous stuff. Um... Shane, you mentioned before Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I mentioned before how Andrew Beasley is in prime form. I've got some more stats from Andrew Beasley at base tune to red. 
He said Trent's assist in the derby was the 49th chance he had created in the league this season. That was before today's match against Bournemouth. He had created 49 chances and he created, for context, he created 48 chances in the whole of last season. Ooh, Trent, what pissed me off was the thing you mentioned before, Shane, his stamp and his attitude to this match because he needs to keep a lid on it. I know it's the Ev, I know it means everything to the Scouser and he's got the mantle of the Scouser in the team, although Curtis Jones, who we haven't spoken about yet, is also a Scouser and he looked very good today, didn't he? But you can't bring that kind of attitude into a match. He's got the physical, the technical superiority, he's got the sharpness of mind, it's only Everton, he doesn't need to risk that. Does he, Shane? But what do you make of him in general? Trent this season. To me, it's the birth of a star. I mean, the, the big explosion. This sun, this star, the sun of Liverpool expand into a, I don't know what it is, some kind of superstar, isn't it? Yes, indeed. And I, I, I'm sorry, my dog is barking in the backyard. I'm going to go sush it real quick and then I'll come back and answer your question. I'm so sorry. Very good. Yeah, no, yeah. He's probably heard me talk about Trent. He wants to get involved and cop on podcast. What do you make of him, Fergus? Yeah, Trent has been brilliant. He, he's, re, he's redefined along with Klopp and you have to give Klopp and the coaching team, Pep Linders and the rest, a lot of credit. But they've redefined the role of the fullback. They've redefined the role of the right back. So, so Trent. I mean, it's not far off to say he's he, he's on his way to become one of the best right backs, one of the best fullbacks of all time. He's it's early days. He's 21, but I mean, if he keeps going like this, 14, 15 assists a season, that's just totally unheard of. You know, he's a free he's a a free kick uh, specialist. So it, it's what he's done, what Robertson have done, has done, but especially Trent. And he's one of those players you could see could play in any, any position, probably apart from centre-forward. Uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable. But it's, it's just, um, you know, Trent is just um, exhibits everything that Klopp has done for this club and for the players in the club. He's improved every single player. He's improved the club. He's improved the... The uh, the morale, the philo- playing philosophy, everything about the club has gone forward since Klopp arrived, and and since FSG arrived actually, and since the system they've put in place, the recruitment they've put in place, the player selection, um, the tactics, everything. So you know you, you just have to give credit to Trent for taking his opportunity. You know a, a gifted midfielder as he was could have sat back and at right back and said you know I don't really want to play right back I'm too good for this I should be in midfield but no what he's done is transform the role of right back and become the rest best right back in the world even at the age of 21 I can't think of anyone who can compete with him and then um and so that's a credit to himself and to the club as a whole but he was silly though Fergus wasn't he with that, that, that you know double stamp or you know he was very naughty in the Everton match, and that, you know, I agree totally with what you're saying. I mean, he's brilliant, and he does typify 
everything that's good about Liverpool apart from this moment. And he, he has to learn from that because, you know, him being sent off could have caused all manner of problems the other day. Yes, it it, it would be very bad. But um, I remember Gerard getting sent off in, in his final game against Man U. And that's the type of thing, as a scouser, as a local lad, you can get too wound up. It doesn't excuse it. And hopefully Klopp will have a word with him. He'll learn from it. It was wrong. And it's actually totally out of character for him because I can't remember him ever doing a stamp before that I know of. Who knows? Maybe he was wound up. We don't know. But uh, it was obviously wrong. He got away with it. And um, and I think we we were lucky and he was lucky. Yeah, very good answer. Yeah, absolutely. Shane, are you back with us? Is your dog okay? Yes, the dog is fine. I apologize about that. Um, I, I just had to quickly step out and step back in, so I apologize. I'm back. Won't ever happen again. Um, well, you never can tell with the dog. I mean, I, you know, I'm glad the dog's okay. You don't have any intruders or anything like that, so it's good. No, 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 no. Just people trying to enjoy their own backyards, you know, just people trying to live their own lives and, and you know, my dog uh, taking, taking issue with that, uh, apparently. <laughs> Uh, regardless, though, I completely agree with Fergus, and Fergus, thank you for stepping in and answering that question uh, marvelously. I really do appreciate it. Yes, um, in, in tandem with Andrew Beasley's stat that you brought up and everything else everyone's mentioned is that Trent is actually having a season even better than he had last season. I mean, he is getting to levels where, I mean, all of Europe is going to have to start recognizing him in, in, a, in a bigger way than what he was recognized this past week at the Ballon d'Or. Um, and so, yeah, the, uh, I really do, <clears throat> I really do think he, he was wound up, <clears throat> pardon me, I really do think he was wound up unjustly. I mean, I, I can understand the occasion, I can understand what it means to him to be a scouser on the side, and for, and for everything that's going on in the context, but he's, he, you're right, he's absolutely got to keep a lid on it. I really am hoping that, um, I mean, I'm really, it's more than hope. I know for a fact Klopp will get a handle on that if he already hasn't uh, in private. Um, I, Klopp is just so great at quelling tempers, at, at working with players about that, about coaching, about discipline, and that really is just an issue of mental discipline. And I mean, he is so young. He's 21 years old, and that is something that, uh, um, that you know, we, we, should, we should be thankful that he gets up for the big games, but we don't want him going to those levels again. And yes, even though, you know, the patron saint, uh, Steven Gerrard, uh, you know, he, he did have moments where he was too wound up and he was sent off. And that's not something to admire. That's something that we should learn from. That's a lesson about how to keep control of yourself. And uh, I mean, like we already pointed out, how many chances he's created. Trent is uh, is in is po is poised. He's in position to have a season that w might even be better than last season. That might even be the best of his career, uh, and might only lead to bigger and better things. And so he just it just cannot be marred uh, with a negative headline. We can't just draw uh, negative headlines to ourselves with the media because we all know how much the rest of the world will fixate on anything negative they can find about us. I mean, anything at all, they always pick at us. And so, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm really, I really know for a fact, I mean, I'm not for a fact, I'm saying that too confidently, but with, 
with, uh, I guess, 99.9% confidence, I'm sure Klopp has taken him aside and talked to him and shown him the films. And, and when they review the film and review analysis, that they've really gotten a handle on that and told him that can't happen again because it, it won't happen again. So, yeah, that's my that's my two cents. So thank you for being understanding about my dog earlier. Ugh. <laughs> No, excellent, excellent stuff. No, we love dogs here. We love dogs. Excellent stuff. One final question then uh, for you both, actually. Um, I don't know if you've looked at the next fixtures beyond Red Bull. Um, we've got Watford at home next Saturday, one thirty. sorry, one thirty European time, 12.30 kickoff uh, UK time. Then we've got the odd, the oddness of Villa away with our kids playing followed by um, the Club World Cup. So our match away to West Ham has been postponed. So we've got Watford at home, in the league only, we've got Watford at home, then Leicester away, then Wolves at home, then Sheffield United at home. Uh, and that brings us to the 2nd of January. That'll do for now. Um, Fergus, are you... Confident, you know, would you, would you, you know, prioritise, apart from the Salzburg game, of course, you would prioritise the league over either the League Cup or the Club World Cup, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. The, uh, as I always say, the two main competitions we're interested in are the, the, the Premier League title and the champ- and to retain the Champions League. So, Everything else is secondary. The Club World Cup is an interesting opportunity because I think Klopp, you know, knowing him as I as I do from a distance, having watched him in his press conferences and how he behaves and what what he does, he'll probably be treating this as as a, a winter sun training uh, and get together. Because let's face it, the Club World Cup would be very nice to have. You get a nice golden badge on your shirt if you win it. Um, it's uh, it's it's got more credibility outside of England than it does inside England, but it would be nice to win. But overall, to spend a week or ten days or whatever it is in the sunshine, Qatar will be, be the sun will be beating down. The guys will be in shorts, sitting by the pool when they're not training. So and he's he's brought a full squad over of 25 players. So I think he's going to treat it as you know um, a couple of intense training matches where if we win it, it's almost like a mid-season tournament. It is like a mid-season, pre-season tournament. You know, when you play the the, um, the Confederations Club Cup or whatever in the summertime in the USA and places like that, it's going to be like that in the middle of the season, a chance to get away from the intensity of the Premier League, get away from the cold weather in England, go and play some, some nice matches, hopefully not too difficult, win them both, um, get your shorts on, get a bit of a suntan and get back in time for the for the hard graft of the Premier League. Um, it's lucky we have Watford before we go there. Watford are, you know, they're a decent uh, team with decent players, but they haven't had to go their way this season. They're on their third manager now. It's a, a brilliant time for us to play them. We're at the height of confidence. So, you know, I can only see one winner there. Let's see. Um, and then after that, one of the matches of the season. I mean, Liverpool playing Leicester now, it's a bigger game for us than it is. Um, you know, it's, it's bigger than playing Man City. Leicester are second, so they're our main challenger now. So uh, up against Leicester, it's a real title six-pointer. 
so um, we need to put Leicester away. Uh, Wolves will be a tough match, but we have them at home. Wolves love to play on the counter-attack. That's why Espirito Santo, he's a very good manager. I don't think he'd suit a big club like Arsenal or Man United because he's so far he's only proved he's a brilliant counter-attacking manager and he does that superbly with Wolves. But uh, we've shown this season in how we've uh, evolved from last season in that we now can break teams down who play five at the back, who uh, pack the defence because we've got enough movement now, enough familiarity between the players. We've got the likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain who's now popping up, scoring a goal a game. So he, he can break through defences. We've got Naby Keita who can do the same. Um, so, yeah, that, that's another nice fixture for us. Uh, none of them are easy, but I think we're well poised for all of those games. That's a brilliant answer. Thank you very much, Fergus. Uh, Shane, what do you make of it, these these games to come after Salzburg? Yes, um, I mean, the games are coming thick and fast. Fergus gave a marvellous answer. Um, yeah, it's... They're really coming at us. Um, I really, I really do think it'll be interesting to watch the U23s. Uh, I really, <laughs> I think Klopp's choice with uh, putting Neil Kreitschetti, I don't know if I pronounced his name properly, but um, phonetically I thought that's how it was pronounced. Putting him out there with the U23s really kind of shows the contempt Klopp has for the EFL Cup. He's never been happy about it. He's never been happy about the scheduling with that trophy whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think. I think Fergus is right. I think uh, the time in Qatar is going to be kind of a regrouping. It's going to be kind of a refocusing. It's going to be warm weather training camp, more or less. And hopefully we can walk away with a trophy and a nice shiny gold badge on our shirts. Um, I'm going to be interested to see when they uh, reschedule the West Ham match. But then after that, we've got obviously got Leicester on Boxing Day, Wolves on the 29th. And then, like you said, on January 2nd, my birthday, we've got a nice little match lined up against Sheffield United. And then three days later, I mean, it seems like Christmas came early with uh, with us being drawn against Everton once again for the FA Cup. And I feel like that's going to be a much different match uh, uh, compared to this last week. So I don't know. I'm I'm over the moon about what's to come. We've got so much, so much to look forward to with the Reds in great form. Um, thank you both very much for joining me today. Let's go and watch the last 10, 15 minutes of Man City versus Man United. We'll watch them probably come back and win, but I don't know, the, the listener, you know what's going to happen, but there's still time for the bus wheels to fall off, isn't there? But not for Liverpool. We just go chugging along. You know, the Liverpool Combine Harvester. Thank you very, very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So there we are. That's another episode done. Do uh, please uh, rate us, share us, tell a friend, you know, record it, play it in class uh, to your teacher and to 
your classmates uh, if you go to school. Otherwise, uh, go to work, um, stick some headphones in your boss's ear and press play. This has been Cop On Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Cop On Podcast. You can send us your hate mail and your malware and your phishing scams to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so, so very, very much for listening. And thank you to Fergus. And thank you to Shane. And thank you once more. Thank you.